Welcome to the Core Podcast, brought to you by Core to Cloud. We talk about all things cybersecurity, about the latest technologies, the insights, the learnings, and also a little bit about our culture in this ever-evolving environment. I'm Kelly, and I head up the marketing department. And I'm Phil from the technical team, and we're going to take you through all our technology in a really interesting way. Phil talks technical, why I keep it lighthearted and remove all the jargon. We also have a selection of guest speakers, including a few people popping in from the Quarter Cloud team. So let's dive in. Welcome to another episode and this is a really great one because we're sticking on the topic of mental health. I am delighted to have our new guest on the podcast that hasn't been on before, Carly Jade. But Carly, we have met before, is that correct? Could you tell the audience a bit about you, um, your job, your role currently? Yeah, thanks Kelly. So yeah, I've attended the uh, Influential Woman in Tech event before at Quarter Cloud and um I'm fairly new to the cybersecurity industry, about seven months now as a stock analyst. Um, so I've been starting to study more around incident response. And working in a male-dominated industry, it's I do see a lot of these topics regarding mental health mm. and in particularly in this industry. And where I've been in other industries before, like sales and customer service, I do notice the difference. That's why it's great to be here today because I see how important it is, how it's impacted people I know. Um, and it does get better and, and there's so many great resources for mental health so I'm really excited to be here today to thank talk about you. that. No thank you. Obviously you said you've seen some differences between your roles. Um, what do you think is an obvious difference in your current role? Obviously we know it's male dominated but do you see the topic addressed slightly differently in your new industry? Yeah I think it's something that there is a lot more mental health first aiders, I've noticed, which is a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in other industries, it isn't something I saw very often. Okay. Um, I did work in a sales role where we did all get mental health first aid trained. So it's something that I was fortunate to get because I think it's really important to understand um, about it, to be able to recognise the signs in colleagues, family and friends and have that knowledge and awareness. Um, but in my current role, current company, a lot of the senior managers, a lot of the staff have mental health first aid training so I think it's something that cybersecurity is starting to address mm-hmm. um, in the last couple of years um, which is nice to see that it is being more recognized yeah as a as a mental health you've done your first aid training you say and you said that you've got some um, good things that you picked up from there what are um, things key things that you got from the training that you you think is good for people to either maybe recognize or consider or be aware of I think it's regarding the signs really so how it can be so varied I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize uh, that different people can show signs in different ways and it's it's actually quite important as a a colleague in a mental health stage or in a manager to really look out for those signs Mm -hmm. so it it can be quite subtle in some people so some people it might be as simple as they're just a bit quieter one day they might not have their the camera on on teams or on meetings especially working remotely so it's just kind of those subtle signs to look out for and um, in some people it's, it's a lot more obvious and they will talk about it and some people more feel more comfortable saying that they're struggling or that they've got um, any mental health illness or that they've got something that they're 
they're um, needing to address and they'll be a bit more open but it's about as a manager kind of or as a colleague just noticing and and actually saying to them is everything okay um, I'm here if you want to talk whenever you're ready offering that support because it might be people don't feel ready yet or they might be quite introverted or or sort of worried about speaking out about these things but still kind of pointing them in the direction of these are some resources this is what you can do this is where you can get help this is where I recommend you sort of go to the doctors if you're struggling so they know where to go but they might not want to always talk about it mm. when even when you bring it up have you found in a male dominated industry um people open up as much I mean I I know we've brought up yeah. we've I when we brought the topic up that we were focusing on it as a company everyone was for it but I was very it was very um obvious that, um and I would say opening the girls were far more open to talking about it um not that the guys weren't but they were a little bit quieter I just wondered whether you have had similar experience or that's just an internal thing here Yeah I think I think cybersecurity is quite a unique industry in that it does it does attract more, I'd say it's not the case in every company and every role is different, like consultancy might be different to analyst roles and things like that. I, I do think there are more introverted personalities okay. because of the nature of, of the work, yeah. um, the nature of just the kind of, you, especially if it's a remote role, that can attract people that are like, okay, I like to just get stuck in with my work, not have to speak to people very often. And, and that suits their kind of way of working or their personality. And people but like therefore that. Those, yeah. And yeah. people like that zone yeah. at times. I know even our tech team, um, they have their own room. Uh, we joke because it's in the basement of the castle. It's not that gloomy. It's quite a beautiful <laughs> room. But um, they do tend to go down there. And sometimes they'll pop up for a coffee and we're like, oh, God, we didn't even know you were in today. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been yeah. here since eight. And, but they like to work that way. Um, and they could be there the whole time. So we do, like, you know, try to do team stuff and encouraging people to see each other more. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right in that, in the sense that it's quite the nature of your job. Um, and you don't want to be distracted. Whereas in marketing, we're very collaborative. We sprawl out all over the place. We go into different rooms. We, we might even go in for like a walk to try and get inspiration just because of the nature of the job and probably the nature of the people that want to be in marketing. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I can completely, completely get that. Obviously, you recently joined the industry. So you're kind of squaring this statistic that I've got. But 51% of cybersecurity professionals self-identified as burnout. And 65% of those were considering leaving the industry because of unmanaged workplace stress. Now, obviously, this industry, we know there isn't enough people joining. If then we're losing 65% of them once they're in, that's really scary. Um. I just wondered on your experience of being six months in, are you finding it quite a st stressful job? Um, I mean, I've got some people say it's because it's high pressure. Like you said, the environment is normally social isolation. Um, there's a lot of exposure to lots of content and especially with SOC analysts. I've even seen there is groups on LinkedIn for support with um, notif notification fatigue. Um, I was wondering, as you've just stepped into cybersecurity, how you're finding it and can you identify to these stress things or or do you think it's just a statistic? Yeah, I, d I do think that is the case. I think it depends how the company manages that, mm -hmm. how they support and train staff can make a huge difference. I think 
I see the, I see the positives in that the stock analyst role is busy, is challenging. It, it is a, there can be pressure and it can be quite high responsibility because we are essentially at the forefront of a lot of incidents. So we're seeing them as they happen. We're stopping them. We, we then need to quickly act, um, send information over. Depends if it's an internal stock as well, whether it's um, a service provider. So I deal with lots of different clients' environments and we have to quickly react and let get them involved and, yeah. and respond to that incident. So um, I like that because I like the excitement of it. I like that there are moments where it's a bit quieter and there's other things to do and it's quite proactive work. But other times it is very busy and there are a high number of alerts and there are really important alerts come in. And it's, you can never time it as well. It's always the way that it will be a really difficult time. It happens. You can never plan these things and it is there all hands on deck, but it's just the nature of the job. And I think it, it's great for someone that, that can get bored easily and, and likes mm. to be challenged. And it's great that there, there is that progression is, onto other things. I like that you've brought that because I think it's an expectation, isn't it? Of your, if, of your, what you're doing in your role and the culture of the company. If you are sold a job and told that, you know, oh, it's quite easy paced and it's not very hands-on and, oh, we're quite a chill back culture and you join a company and it's not like that, mm. then this, I can imagine that triggers a stress. But like you said, as a SOC analyst, by nature, you like that challenge. You like you like the buzz of it. You like that the it's ever-changing. You, um, And I think that's a big piece, isn't it, of being well-educated and knowing your expectation of the role that you're getting in. Um, and if it's not right for you, you know, looking for different avenues and within cybersecurity. Yeah. I think would Definitely. you say that's fair? Yeah, I think if people if it's not suited to the way they like to work and their personality, it's a great starting point because you get exposure to so many different things, you get to learn so much. So it's really great then to go into sort of either consultancy, red teaming, and threat intelligence. There's so many connected teams yes. to the SOC. So it's great from that perspective. But I do think if someone wants to stay and and, and improve that that mental health sort of strain of the, the stress and the workload I think there are things that people can do as individuals to kind of help and manage that so a lot of the things I've learned in, and on the mental health first aid training it's around sort of really planning your week and your time and making sure you are like taking the breaks exercising seeing friends and family and time off things like simple things like taking vitamins like in the winter when it's it is really tough it's early starts it's it's night shifts it's all hours you don't really see much sunlight, that, so it's so important. So good tips on that then, really. I hadn't even thought about the vitamin side of things, of the fact that you, yeah, that you might, and that's a good point. So um, the tech guy's room in our place actually has very little natural uh, light down there. And some reason they like that because of all the screens and stuff. So I get yeah. it. Um, But I hadn't even thought about the fact, the impact of sunlight or, um, yeah, so let's let's delve into that a little bit. So how... I mean, everyone's life is personal, but how do you look after yourself? So you've mentioned vitamins. Do do is that something that you regularly do? Um, like, or do you go? I mean, I know people go for B twelve top ups and things like that. Is that something that you do, or do you do it for your nutrition, or are you quite strict with your boundaries and you set time aside that you do go for a walk or you do stretch your legs, or how do you? Yeah, how do you set your day? Yeah, it's definitely something I, I still think there's room for improvement on because I'm quite, I can just focus on something and be at the computer for hours and then not even realise I've not 
drank water, not eaten, not gone for a walk. So I do need to set myself reminders probably more, but I'm very aware that, that I shouldn't be doing that. And what I should do, which is taking breaks, just even if it's five minutes, looking away from the screen, stepping outside, getting some fresh air, talking to a colleague, just to kind of get that break. And then you, you're more productive afterwards. And, and then I find daylight. So if it is waking up from a night shift, going outside and getting some some daylight even just standing at the back window and sticking my head out the window I know it sounds a bit weird but just getting that fresh air and, and light into my eyes or as soon as I'm yeah. up and whether that's early morning or yeah in the afternoon after a night shift so it's just that then wakes up your brain and you kind of have that time to wake up naturally feel a bit better and um yeah and then taking vitamins every night so the it's really important because the if you've got a vitamin deficiency that can often be a trigger of, of mental health okay. um, declining mm-hmm. so it's um yeah, really crucial. And it can help if, if things have already started to decline or um, caveats out so in serious mental illness or anything that, that is not being addressed by these self-help strategies. It's still important to go and see a doctor and, and go to um, any mental health treatment facilities and things like that. But it's these things can help if it's the start of something or it's something long term, it can still help to kind of do these self-help. Um, so getting out for a walk, I do that every day. And if I don't, I really do feel it. I, I feel myself getting quite sort of anxious and stressed if I've not been out for a walk. Um, exercise, going to the gym. It doesn't have to be loads. I found like even three times a week, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, even five minutes. It's better than nothing just mm. to get your body moving and releases the happy hormones and makes you feel just releases any sort of stress and concern. And it's for me, it's like a little meditation. Yeah, it really. Yeah. That's good. And, and obviously night shift, that has a massive impact on just really messing up everything, really, because you, your clock's all different. Um, do you have to be quite careful with, like, nutrition? Because uh, what do you do with night shift? Do you eat, like, is it if it was the day? Like, how do you mix that up? Yeah, it's quite a difficult thing to adjust to. So I was doing some research on um, circadian rhythm mm-hmm. because I thought it was to do with, like, the light, and it is. But it's also to do with when you eat. So you're, if your body's digesting food, it then thinks, right, OK, so I'm eating. So I need this energy. So I should be awake. Right. So one of the best things to stay awake during the night shift is to eat your meals as if like it's a normal day. Right. Um, so it, it does take a while. Some people don't do that. Some people prefer just to not mess up their routine too much. Um, but I kind of eat first meal in the afternoon. I'll eat a second meal sort of late evening like normal dinner time yeah and then I'll have another meal and snack like two wow. in the morning yeah yeah and that gets me through the rest of the night then and so what what's your normal shift pattern at night what time do you start and what time do you um finish um so it it depends on all different so all different socks do different different routines and different types but ours is um there's different options at ours as well but I'm on a four day four day on four day off so okay. 12 hours Okay. So it's um, either 6.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. or the opposite. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's um, – but it, it, we have it for one – sort of more than one shift pattern. We have the same so that you're not constantly changing every week. So it's half a month on one time zone, well, time zone. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, um, and it'd be interesting because yeah. you're going to have been going out – you've just kind of finished the, the, the winter period, so you've done gone into dark – leave in dark you are now going to be going going to work in light and leaving in light yeah and, and that's going to be a go whole new when it's yeah a whole new thing yeah you're going to go into bed when it's light yeah yeah i'll be, I'll be <laughs> interesting to touch it back with you six months and find out what's better 
Yeah, I think the nighttime's probably easier to get to sleep, but in the daylight, I've just got blackout curtains and I've got a mask, earplugs, and so um, everything. To yeah, I've got out. the whole gear, <laughs> lavender spray. <laughs> I will go yeah. to sleep. I am really zen. <laughs> yeah, so far it's worked, and yeah, I'm quite notoriously bad with my sleep. I've had like insomnia in the past and things like that, and it's just something that I think that can then be like a deteriorating thing with mental health because insomnia is is quite triggering for that. But I found my kind of coping strategies. If I ever do have that and I don't sleep, then I'm quite good at knowing it's okay. And then I kind of do other things that make me feel better. And then I can, I've got better, I've got used to just functioning on not much sleep, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> no, I, I, I had, um, I had insomnia when I was pregnant. It like kicked in. And everyone told me it was because my body was preparing for no sleep, but it was just the worst. Like, I think I had like four weeks to go before the baby would come, but I didn't, I was awake at like 2am till, I don't know, like eight, nine the next morning. And then I would crash at like 11. It was really horrible yeah. and I couldn't get out of it. And whatever I did, my body still kept waking up. So no, I get that. I, um, I, I had the lavender spray. Um, and then from a work perspective now, I use the Headspace app. Um, I don't know if you've used mm -hmm. that and then it's got like nighttime yeah. routine to let you get it down but it's, it's also got like SOS so if you wake up in the middle of the night I can just I have my headset and I can just plug it in and it just like talks me down because the problem is if I wake up my brain just kicks in and that's it yeah, it's like same. oh what are you what pack languages am I making and what time I get the kids there and I'm like oh that's it I'm, I'm done now I'm, I'm not going back to sleep so yeah I can completely empathize the importance of sleep and um and and water and stretching it has such a huge impact and you can tell when you've eaten badly as well but and I'm I'm really bad as well because if I'm exhausted I actually do the polar opposite of what my body needs mm. like I go for the junk food sugary kicks um I'm like oh I'm tired anyway so I might as well do that I do not go for a walk I yeah, I go. I do everything that my body doesn't need. It's really bizarre. Like I was trying to work this out with the. We had a um podcast earlier, and she's got all the um, behavioral scientists, and I didn't actually ask her about this, but she was talking about human nature and why we do things, and we we seem to pick the easier option. But I didn't actually ask her whether you can change your human nature. Can you re rewire that default? You must be able to because people. But is there a way of rewiring your human nature because they're not picking the easier option or all the sugary snacks? I'm sure you can because people yeah. don't do it. But it's, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I'm open to know whether everyone's like this, but I always seem to put, think what's the easiest option, the quickest microwave or takeaway, or I'll have a fizzy drink that will spike rather than going, actually, you're tired. You probably need some water. Why don't you walk around outside, like have a breather and come back to it? Um, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah I, I think yeah there's a lot to do with I think with the the kind of neural the, the normal side of it when the brain and how that kind of works and a lot to do with the body's adjustment of blood sugars mm. um so I was doing some research on this as well because anything to do with like health I'm, I just really I'm interested in it and um yeah I've been looking at blood sugars and hormones and how they all interconnect and how they can actually impact those kind of impulses that you have to go for those sugary um sweets there's actually a um a chemical that's released in your body when your blood sugars have gone really high and then gone really low to do with tiredness that actually then make you crave those sugary foods. I think I might be wrong here. I might just double check this source. I think it's grenoline or something, some sort of chemical begins with a G. Okay. Um, we'll look I'll have up. to Google that one. But yeah, it's like a, it's released in your body essentially. So it is really difficult to get that, um, 
to override that um mine's a diet yeah, coke thing yeah my diet coke yeah i can feel like it's due because i didn't have a diet coke at lunch and i can feel like that i need a diet coke break um <laughs> but yeah I, I i can completely relate to that you seem to have a high interest in mental health and eating well and nutrition and the impact of that is there any underlying reason why you've shown a passion for it or is it just curiosity or was there a, a trigger or something why you were you you're quite passionate about it all I think it's just because I've known I've known how important it is and I, I've seen in, in close family and friends and myself how how important it is to to keep on top of your you know your mental health and your physical health and how then really impacts everything it impacts your relationships it impacts your work impacts your your lifestyle really and um I just in myself and whenever I've had something that I've struggled with I like to then proactively find something to help and and do my research and I think it's it's great that doctors are really helpful I think um there's like quite a few referral places like there's there's um I think an NHS do quite a few sort of mental health um funding like lift psychology is one that I've heard of and there's lots of great places you can get information from but I've I like to do my own my own research as yeah. well and um, look at lots of kind of different methods um one that I've been I've been looking into is hypnotherapy mm-hmm. that's something I've become quite aware of especially for um for, for people that have dealt with trauma and a lot of people in cybersecurity that are ex-military hypnotherapy right. is one that I've become very aware of that is really effective and it, it won't might not work for everyone but for the cases I've seen, it's been um, life changing for some people that have have come out of the military, gone into cybersecurity, and um, that readjusting, and then the trauma kind of comes up later in their career, and they're not aware they had this trauma. Um, and uh, there's a charity, an amazing charity called PTSD Resolutions. Even if you've been out for quite a while, you're still serving family members of those serving. They give you hypnotherapy treatment and they get to the kind of root cause and uh, yeah that's been seen that be life-changing for for a lot of people and there's a lot of um I mean we were kind of discussing this earlier so the I was one of the podcasts we've recorded earlier the background of um the guest was actually she worked in aviation and working on your fight and fight or flight response of if the plane's crashing she then moved into military and um, research papers and things like that on um, similar things of fight or fight or flight. But she also said there's a third category of three freeze. And then she said it's really naturally progressed into cybersecurity because obviously you're dealing with a response. Have you learned anything about your nature of when something comes in? Do you flight, fright, freeze? Are you quite calm headed? Um, how does how do you um, yeah unpack an incident? Yeah, I think it's um it's it's great when that body response kicks in when you want it to. Mm. You know, you need to be in a situation where it is something you've got to react to really quickly. Um, but I think the problem is when it can be triggering in normal situations that it shouldn't be triggering. Okay, and um, that's when there I've I've had that before, and I think it's just. You don't know why. It's just some things triggered your fight and flight and your anxiety's up and your heart rate's going ready for you to sort of run. That is normally my kind of um, in those situations. But I've I've learned about like mindfulness techniques. Mm-hmm. They can be really good for that type of thing. 
Um, so like sort of counting things in your environment and um, seeing what you can smell, what you can hear. And then that brings you back to the moment and calms down your fight and flight response. But in a work situation, when I actually need to have my adrenaline and my anxiety going, because it is something I need to actually react to. And it's it's the right response. It's um, I find for me, I just go into ultra focus mode and I I can just focus for hours and not even realize the time and just right. really zone in on something to get something sorted, which I, th- I think is the right hopefully the right response that you'd want to happen yeah yeah of course and um one of the things that she was saying um talking with like resilience uh was a key thing um doing stuff you know over and over so that you kind of can 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 prepare how you respond to something and she also believed a good support mechanism was your team to have a collaborative or um I guess um an opinion of a team of that's how something should be done or that's how I would respond because then the pressure is not just all on on one person do you think her opinion is um correct or even reasonable for someone that's actually doing the role every day do you have time to ask your peers of do you think that's the right decision or is it a bit like you've just got to go with it and and trust your gut yeah, I think it's a balance on, on the situation and who who is there. Normally, we, we do have a great team where I work and we do all, all help each other out. So I think it is really, even if you're very experienced and you've, you've done something before and you feel like you know what you're doing and everything's fine, it's still great to then reach out to others in the team because everyone's got different perspectives, different. That's why I think it's great in cybersecurity to have people from different backgrounds, different previous careers more diversity, different ages, different um, backgrounds, females, non-binary, all different people in a team because we all have different ways of looking at something and we all then work together really well. So we all kind of do look at something and and add something into that perspective and and just that confidence boost sometimes to think, have I got this right? Am I I really doing the right thing here? Because sometimes it can be subjective and you can only get the, the, you can, do research and get information to make your decision but it's still nice sometimes just to get that other opinion yeah. and um, kind of even if it's a bit of a debate and you, and you disagree just kind of like constructively come up with an overall decision as a team I think is, is great to have that backing. Obviously the statistics don't look good about joining and burnout and mental health and things like that within the industry. Being someone that's joined it um would you would you agree with it or do you think it's on a change or you know or any words of wisdom to join the industry and why and why not avoid it I would definitely recommend it it's one of the best changes I've done in my whole career I've tried quite a few different different things I've tried teaching I want I'm for me it's quite important to give back to society and do something worthwhile um I did do teaching did my qualified teacher status and then I've done sales customer service and I think they're all they're all benefits to all of them they're all rewarding in their own way but with cybersecurity, it's such a unique combination because you get to use your analytical ability it's you get to learn constantly because there's always new things new malware all the time new threat actors so it's quite exciting to keep up to date with it and really important is I think for this for the society we have now public sector private sector a huge risk is cybersecurity for a lot it affects a lot of people so it's yeah. quite rewarding to have that giving back and um 
but I think for someone going into it it's quite important to find out really about the the company's culture team's culture how much support there is how much training there is there's a lot of I think in roles where it's not really aimed at entry level so if you haven't got experience and you go into it and they're not prepared to support someone who is entry level Mm -hmm. it can be quite an even more stressful experience so I think it's very clear it's important to meet the team you can when interview process find out um, how much support you'll have how much mentoring you'll have if it is really entry level you're at the expectations of the role and um, sort of the progression and where it can go from there really and the the courses out there are great the courses really do set people up very well for doing the role I think in terms of all the practical platforms like seeing like let's defend there's I'm doing blue team level one at the moment mm-hmm. they're they're so realistic to what you're actually doing in the job. You get to do labs, you get to do hands-on technical tasks, which are pretty much identical to what you do in the role. Yeah. So it's great experience to have that rather than just have a CV of like the non-experience. You've actually got some experience to bring into that role. Yeah, and you're and you're getting. I guess you're getting to learn about yourself and how you react on the job. Um, I, I mean, going back to the aviation and, and the people talking, you know, it, it's difficult to know how you respond unless you're in a simulation of, for example, the plane coming down. So, you know, like doing courses, like you said, um, having mentors, um, having a trial, dipping your toe into the right. Like you said, there's so many different options in cybersecurity. Sometimes it's just finding the, the right fit for you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think it is fun to dabble around with it to start with and just kind of get your feel for things because th- there's some good sort of career mapping tools out there mm. to look at okay these are these are my interests these are my skills where would I be best suited and um because you know there's red team purple team blue team it's consultancy threat intelligence there's just so many different options unique yeah. paths and it all suits different people in different ways and um and yeah just playing around with it like I, I probably hopefully will learn more now and kind of get more experience with sort of I want to do more kind of malware and malware analyzing as well mm-hmm. which I haven't um doing a bit more of that and I did try on let's defend and I accidentally downloaded a live malware file onto my laptop so I don't recommend doing that and <laughs> <laughs> it was I didn't quite realize it's they do actually put live files in the practice platform right okay yeah so That's just a, a heads tip. up to anyone yeah. that tries that yeah <laughs> luckily my antivirus kicked in and it was quite an old um malware file so it was recognized and the signature picked it up so yeah panic averted yeah okay well to kind of just close and do a full full circle wrap you we we're discussing this because of mental health and that there's been some scary stats that people are identifying with burnout and considering leaving the industry. You work as a SOC analyst, which we know has weird working patterns. You get lots of notifications. You can work on your own. You could not have any daylight for a while. And you've clearly put some strong mechanisms to ha- to help with that. What would you think would be a good way... Um, for someone who we hope is listening to this podcast that maybe is identifying with this or doesn't know where to start um what what would your recommendations be to anyone listening of um I don't know taking mental health into consideration or not seeing it as a fluffy subject what would be your your top tips to leave everyone with I think the most important is 
looking out for other people and looking out for the signs and um yeah just get the conversation going and, and talking to people about how they're doing and and um really sort of mean that when you ask someone because I think sometimes we're quite we're sort of instinct is to go oh how are you yep fine and then yeah you kind of leave how, it there, how was your but, weekend it's always the one that yeah we leads with on a Monday and does anyone really care how your weekend was it's an interesting one yeah. yeah so it's really a sort of a sit down with people and sort of say no how are you really let's 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 have a chat and um if you've got anything you think you know because there's so many things that can trigger mental health and um you know family situations work situations just really trying to understand if anything might have triggered and anything anyone might be struggling and um just being there for people really and then and it, I think the main thing is with mental health is it does get better mm. it's something that I've seen uh, in in myself and in other people I know um, who struggled and um, it, there, there's great resources out there and great help and it's something that hopefully hope for a lot of people if they are struggling and they've never struggled before they might be confused of what you know what's happening it, it's quite um, an unnerving thing but yeah. the hope that and the promising prospect is that it does get better it there might be a trigger that, that could be resolved it might be the work it might be certain situation that could be changed or addressed or need more support or need to go and see a doctor and go and get some some treatment and um or self-help the self-help I discussed earlier can help a lot as well so it's kind of a combination to that um so people can access that um yeah Carly it's been a pleasure speaking to you I think you're one of the most self-aware but also very kind your first tip was to worry about other people which I thought was lovely um, I think your team are very lucky to have you um, as part of that group because, yeah, I think everything that you've said has been, I don't know, it's left me feel very warm and that um, was quite a positive note that even if you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed or um, work's become a bit too much, um, that it's it's all manageable. If you, if you take some small steps from just eating right, getting some good sleep, taking some vitamins and, and getting some support where you can. Yeah, thanks so much, Kelly. That's so no. kind of you. It's oh, it's true. I feel very warm. <laughs> so oh. thank, you, thank you so much for, for spending the time with us. And um, I hope we get to see you soon because um, you're not too far away. So hopefully we can see you in the castle. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Take care. Have a lovely afternoon. And you take care. Bye. Bye.